to Refreshingly Human, a podcast from CRS Data's MLS Tax Suite. In this podcast, we're talking to real estate agents about real challenges, their successes, and the topics that keep them up at night. We're a bunch of data nerds, so we'll throw in some tech discussion for good measure. Join us as we get refreshingly human with our guests. Here we go. Welcome. I have the honor of speaking with the one and only Marilyn Wilson-Lund. Marilyn serves as the managing partner of Wave Group, a strategic counseling firm that partners with MLSs and associations, as well as technology firms and franchises. She's known in the real estate industry for her deep knowledge of the profession, her acumen for research and innovation, and her role as a powerful speaker and trusted counsel. Today, Wave Group has worked with the Council of MLS, the Realty Alliance, leading real estate companies, and even our team here at CRS Data. Marilyn has served as a mentor to so many, and I'm thrilled to have her here with us on Refreshingly Human. Welcome, Marilyn. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So we're going to start this conversation at the beginning, have a little bit of an icebreaker. So can you share with us where you're from and what you wanted to be when you were little? Well, I was born in Buffalo, New York. I now live in San Luis Obispo, California on the other so I flip coasts. Some of your audience is old enough to remember, maybe not all, but there was a show called Bewitched, which was absolutely my favorite show when I was a child. And if you know the show, Samantha was the wife on the show. I wanted her hair because she had this beautiful flippy do hair, which my hair is too curly to do. So I always wanted that. And secondly, I wanted Darren's job. So I wanted to be an advertising executive <laughs> and have her hair. And then I had this other uh, inspiration. I don't know exactly where this came from either, but in those early days, Ralph Nader was a huge consumer advocate for safety. He was the guy that like pushed for seatbelts and all those kinds of things. And so I always wanted to, you know, get to a position where I had enough capital behind me to actually advocate for positive change. So I do a lot of that now too, through, you know, NAR and policy and things like that. I'm also um, one of the trustees for the National Small Business Association, which is the oldest nonpartisan small business advocacy group in the country. So I've kind of lived both of them to some degree. It's great. You got pretty close, I'd say. Yeah, my hair still doesn't do the dippity-doo, but you know, at least it's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> so you have a vast history in product development and innovation, and it serves our industry well. Can you take us back to the beginning of your professional journey? In retrospect, what were some of the more pivotal or defining moments, would you say? Well, I started my career actually in packaged goods. Uh, I worked with Mentholatum and a variety of different packaged goods companies. I think the thing that was great about that was I learned about that at the end of the day, when, when you have competition on a shelf, like literally right next to you, you really have to understand your customer and you really have to listen to what they want and respond. That's something I bring to a lot of my conversations because sometimes in real estate, we have a tendency to think more about what we need as opposed to the ultimate person who buys and sells our properties. That's one thing I would say was really helpful. Um, Actually, my very first job out of college was working for a a national food service company that did food service at racetracks and stadiums and baseball stadiums. And that was a super fun job because I got to go to a lot of those places and go to great events. Um, But that was fun because you didn't have a second chance, right? If you're going to deliver, you got to deliver it well, you got to deliver it now because that game's only on for three hours. So that was terrific experience too. And then from there, I went into, uh, I actually was a CEO of a software startup back in the early 2000s when everybody was doing that. That was really exciting to learn about how to take technology that was just starting to emerge and how to bring it to the mass market. So I was working with web camera based software, like phone based software where you could see a video image live. And that was back in the like late nineties. 
<laughs> so broadband was just starting to come in. The technology was ahead of the way we could deliver. The delivery medium just wasn't quite there yet. So that, you know, the idea of how do you take something that there was a good customer need for it, but if I said to you, we're going to look at a video, a live video on my phone, we, we didn't have live streams that we didn't have all of that stuff. It was, you had to like create a new focus around something that actually mattered to people and, and then figure out how to tell that story. So that's a lot of what I end up doing is I take a complicated story and try to make it simple for the rest of us to understand. Um, so tell us a little bit about the goals of the Wave Group. Um, why did you start the business originally? My husband and I started it. Um, it was just the W and the V then. There was no A <laughs> in between there. My God, Dad ultimately became the A. He was our first business partner. But really what drives us is being able to help people make a fundamental change that's important, right? So in a, in a brokerage, it might be you know, finding that next CTO that's going to make all the difference. In an MLS, it might be just got off the phone with one where really trying to figure out how to reinvent what they do in a way that really matters to their customers and that's going to position them well for the future, right? So a lot of what we try to do is find that new opportunity, a new way of thinking about something that's going to take a company from point A to point B. With CRS too, we worked with, now it's been around a while, but at the time was the brand new user interface Sometimes we play that role of like the outside perspective, but at the end of the day, what we're really trying to do is we call it is create positive waves of change. And that can be different for every company, but that also includes a lot of advocacy for policy. We do a ton of work with RISO because, you know, having something that's standardized makes everybody's life easier. We've seen so many great examples of young new companies and in the showing appointment Barrage that we've just all seen is a good example where uh, we work with one of the companies called Tourzaz, for example. They were able to move so much more quickly because they were able to use the standardized dictionary that Riso brought to them. So we like to create those foundations. And frankly, one of the things that just, if you see something dumb, just very, very not very technical, but you know, there's processes that are dumb. There's rules that are dumb. It's like, can we just get rid of that? It's just dumb. <laughs> Get rid of dumb stuff. I love that. Yeah, that's very, very highly technical what we do. We get rid of dumb stuff. Do you think your services have changed at all from the beginning until now? Yeah. What's happened with ours is our scope has changed. So the philosophy is the same. The focus on trying to really solve fundamental important problems is the same. But we, over the last several years, have added several new divisions because, you know, some consulting firms do one thing and then they go and work in a bunch of different industries with that one thing. What we decided to do, because we love real estate so much, was we're going to do what we do and expand it in real estate. So we added a few years ago a public relations and communications firm, for example, that's headed up by a gentleman that's been doing that in real estate forever. His name is Kevin Hawkins. And then we added another woman into that group, Myra Jo Levette, who has a ton of experience. She's actually a, an award-winning journalist. So she joined us in that group. Then David Gumper, who is an advocate for great NAR policy and things like that, that's actually how we got to be friends. You know, many of our customers were looking for technology advice and technology programming and things like that. Victor and I can talk a good game, but we can't program. Right? <laughs> um, so he came in and he really leads our tech strategy and, you know, helps people really take it from point A to point B. And then just recently, many of our broker clients, as we know, mergers and acquisitions are very popular these days. We just brought in a gentleman named George Slusser, and he helps brokers figure out what their business is worth, helps them figure out ways to improve that value, and then helps them either buy or sell companies as they see fit. So when we see something that we know people need, 
we take our same set of you know trusted customer relationships and then try to find other ways that we can generate value for them. It sounds like you've really rounded out a nice group. It is. It's a great group. And again, they're all super nice people. They're very down to earth. You know, we're just very humble about what we do. So we found people that really understand it's all about the customer, just like Victor and I believe. And so it's been great. So you brought up mergers and acquisitions. Let's talk about it. Um, (laughs) There's been a lot of consolidation happening, both on the MLS side and on the business side. What are your thoughts? Good, bad? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting to watch. I think Without having any personal stake in the game, it's very exciting to watch. Clearly, real estate is a very important sector in business, or we wouldn't be seeing billions and billions of dollars coming into the market. You know, a lot of what we try to do is help people understand where an acquisition may or may not be helping you. But a lot of times to prepare yourself for, I don't want to say the worst because it's not the worst, but kind of stay in your own lane, if that makes sense, right? So what makes your company strong, unique? powerful, meaningful, not only to your own staff and your employees, but also to the industry, right? If you create painkillers and not vitamins and continue to do that over again and again and again, and CRS is a great example, your product is very well appreciated for in a lot of different contexts, not just in real estate, but in other industries too. We kind of sometimes have what I call shiny object syndrome. It's like, oh my God, that's happening over there. Oh, this is happening over there. What are we going to do about that? It's like, you're not going to stop a company from buying another company. But when you're when you start to contract with someone, maybe think about what could happen and prepare yourself, right? So some of it can be in the contracts. You know, people I hear now, oh my God, you know, my data is everywhere and I don't have any control over it and all that. It's like, well, there is ways within contracts to at some level control your data, right? right? Con- control what, not so much control it, but know what other people could do with it, right? From that perspective. So think about these things up front, number one. But when it comes to MLSs specifically, we're seeing a a few very interesting phenomenons, which I think are great, actually. We've tended to be a one and done industry, right? We have one MLS system. we We have one appointment software. We have one, 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 one. And the truth is that there is no one product that solves everybody's needs, regardless of your concern about them being bought or sold, right? So does it make more sense to think about choice? And does it make more sense? And there's a lot of work being done. Again, Riso does a great job with of really pushing this with what you know what they call interoperability. It's kind of a fancy buzzword for these things talk to one another, right? Can we be doing more about that? So if I like showing time and you like selling appointment X, yeah, it shouldn't matter, right? If we both are part of the same MLS organization and you have one, or maybe one comes from your brokerage and you really want to use that and you want to encourage your agents to use that, enabling that sort of flexibility and nimbleness, as opposed to saying, this is our answer, it's one and done. Because if that answer then goes bad in some way, now what do you do? So that's that's something that we're talking a lot about. The other thing that we're talking more and more about is MLSs themselves can probably step up in other ways and work with each other to make things happen. So, you know, there's one specific example that I really like to look to is like MLS Grid, for example. So MLS Grid is owned by, I think it's 10 different MLSs. Basically what they allow then is they're supporting the opportunity for those 10 and, and more. I, Austin just signed with them last week, I think it was, to control the process of pushing data out where the broker wants that or the vendor of the broker wants it to go. 
And they're also doing things that are just efficient, right? So they're watching where those data feeds are going, right? So if I'm working with company A and you're working with company A and we're two separate MLSs, there's one person overseeing their online activity for all of us, right? They're doing compliance for all of us. Instead of each of us having to do it and duplicating all those resources, it just doesn't make sense, right? They've created one licensing form, one, one contract. Well, if I'm a, a vendor and I work in 500 different markets, do I want to have to lawyer 500 different documents? Or isn't it great if I can just do it once and then I can just use it again and again? So these are examples. That's an example when I say dumb stuff. That's what I mean. Yeah. Right? Why are there 500 versions of basically the same agreement? That's just dumb. Let's just fix that. So that's the kind of thing that I love to see. And the standards, again, can we get more people to adopt this stuff? Because what we find is that when the resource standard is out there and the API is available, it makes new companies opportunities much greater. Isn't that what we're trying to do? We're trying to encourage innovation. We're trying to encourage new thinking, right? And people providing new solutions to what we do. So that's the kind of thing that we, what I look to is, while the acquisitions can be scary, I, I don't think we should be worried about that as much as what's our own lane and how can MLSs work together better? Wouldn't it be great if, like I was just saying this yesterday, so we have Bright MLS Chicago, MRED, and, and CRMLS. If those three did a bunch of stuff and then everyone in the middle could just fill in, wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> yeah. They could maybe do it for less money if everyone did it together. Yeah, I guess they could sell it just like everyone else could sell it, right? But they might do it in a structure that makes more sense. Something like, for example, like HomeSnap and the broker public portal, they've created a joint venture. That's not just a vendor relationship. That's a full-on joint venture, right? So if HomeSnap wants to do something, they can't do it unless broker portal says that they can and vice versa. Right. Those kinds of fundamental partnerships where everybody's focused on the bigger picture of, of trying to like in that case, what they're what are they trying to do? They're trying to generate business opportunity for realtors across the country. That's awesome, right? Every broker wins from that that's part of it. Every agent that is active wins from that. So that's the kind of stuff I like to see us do. Let's yeah. focus on win-wins. Let's focus on smart investment. Let's focus on getting rid of the dumb stuff that just doesn't really matter and doesn't like well, that's my licensing agreement and I'm in market A and well, this is my licensing. Who cares? Licensing agreement is not what makes you special, right? Like get rid of that kind of stuff and just make it easier for people to work together. I totally agree. And at CRS, you know, we're focused on property tax data, making the product that we have the best it can be while also finding those partnerships that strengthen that product. Absolutely. Yeah. You've got great partnerships in place. It makes it a lot easier for people to work together when the technology companies step up and become partners. So I think it's great. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about women in leadership, an important topic for our industry at large. You're a voice for this movement. Why do you think we need to keep this focus front and center? What can companies do to help make an impact? That's a really good question. And I, you know, I have a funny story about that. I, I was very much influenced by my dad and he would tell me when I was very young, you know, Marilyn, you push your pants on one leg at a time, just like everyone else. I don't know where he got that one from, but, <laughs> but it stuck, right? It stuck with me that it, it didn't matter if you were a woman or a man or what color your skin was or where you were from or how wealthy you were or what school you went to. It didn't matter. It's like, if you're smart and you're confident, you can step up, you can do whatever you want. And he, so he instilled that in me, which is awesome. That's the best gift my dad could have ever given me. So to me, that's where it all starts is whoever is in, and this isn't just for women, this is for all leaders, right? There's, they've got to sort of pull it up from their heart and their brain and say, I've got this. I'm confident enough. So 
that's the first thing is figuring out how do you get that confidence, right? You can't be a strong leader unless you believe you can be a strong leader. But from that, you know, there are people that didn't have a dad like I did, right? I was very lucky. I had a really good foundation. Other people weren't necessarily trained to do that. So when women, you know, like myself that have been at this for some time, and when we can support women that are just coming into the business, you know, giving them those advice and support and counsel and, and you know, inspiration and confidence to say, you can do it too, come with me. There's a, a great group called the AFIRE group, which stands for Awesome Females in Real Estate. I love that acronym. I think it's I great. that one. Yeah, it's super fun. So those types of groups are awesome because you get together with women and share ideas about what it takes. As they say, sometimes it's lonely at the top. You know, you can, you can share ideas with each other about, I tried this in that situation. Here's how it worked. And a lot of those partnerships that we were talking about, they can come from those types of relationships as well. So I, I love that we're seeing that. Um, I don't think it's necessarily an exclusion of men because I love men too. And I have a business partner who is my husband and a man. For me, it's like, just take a, take a shot. Like, don't ever feel like you can't. If we can convince women that they should never feel like they're not capable or not appropriate, we can get that out of the way. They can do amazing things. And we've seen women do that in our industry. So it's super exciting to me. I agree. It's very exciting. So you bring such a broad perspective to the table for clients that you work with. You have so much experience in the industry. What are some questions you normally find that we aren't asking ourselves either at all or often enough? Ah, you know, that's a really interesting one. I, when I look at the association MLS relationship with their clients, I think that's the area that I think we need the most help with. And I've seen some things recently that need to be changed, to be honest. So associations have been around for a long, long time. Many of them have had MLSs for a long, long time, which is terrific. They provide great service and the strength in numbers from an advocacy perspective and from a technology perspective is amazing. But I think in some markets, what I'm seeing is we've lost the balance between recognizing that the agent and the broker that they work for is really the customer. And we have to listen first and foremost to what they need from us. There are some markets where the association exists for the sake of the association or the MLS exists for the sake of the MLS. And it's lost touch with the fact that it needs to service the customers that it's with. And frankly, again, I think confidence is the word that I would love to instill in our industry. I think there's a lot of insecurity of well, what if I lose my job? Or what if I lose my position of authority? Or this is where my power and self-esteem comes from. A lot of that stuff, I think, is what gets us in trouble. It's time to get past that stuff. It's time to grow up as an industry and remember that we all exist. I exist, CRS exists, associations exist, You know, technology companies, we all exist to service the needs of the agent and broker who are ultimately making real estate work. When we lose touch with that and we somehow think it's more about us, yeah. than it is about them. We are in trouble and I've seen it happen way too often. And COVID seems to have made it even worse in some cases. People have dug their heels in on some of that stuff. I'm like, why? Aren't we all just trying to make it through this thing? It's time for more grace and more active listening, in my opinion. So I suspect you've also seen your fair share of failures as you maybe just <laughs> hinted at. Um, are there any consistencies or lessons learned that are particularly memorable for you? Yeah, it's kind of what I was just talking about is I think when we lose sight of the end game, the end goal is when we get ourselves in trouble. So I've seen technology companies that come to the table and somebody in their company thought it was a great idea. The only problem was they never actually asked the people who buy that technology company if they thought it was a good idea. 
So from a technology perspective, a lot of times I think there's a lack of either due diligence or awareness of the larger world in which we compete. You know, a lot of times if you go to like the vendor alleys at Inman, right, you'll see lots of great products, but their features, they're a subset of a larger solution. And so people don't necessarily do their homework on what the competition looks like and what role that they might play in that sector and they get themselves in trouble. We focus too much on what we want, not enough about what the person that's ultimately buying and selling wants. We're not going to be here. We're weakening our value proposition every day that we somehow say, well, that's mine and you need to come to me for that. Like, no, (laughs) No, consumers don't care. They don't believe that. Yeah, I'm sure Uh, I think I have a lot of good ideas, you know, but (laughs) I put myself in the agent's shoes, not in my shoes. Right. They don't really care what you and I think, Allie. They love us, but, you know, not that much. (laughs) Not that much. Definitely not. So the housing market is insane right now. There's been a real attempt as an industry to keep up um, with all these new innovations and developments that came out of the pandemic. What do you think here's to stay? I think there's actually some good stuff that's here to stay. Any of us, if you told any of us a year and a half ago that we were going to spend eight hours a day looking at a computer screen with live bodies on the other end, we'd be like, you're crazy. That's never going to happen. Well, guess what it did? You know, the virtual concept of virtual tours and live virtual tours and all of that stuff, well, we all had it for a long time. And here's a number that I still think is crazy. And if you're an Asian and you're not doing this on this call, please get off and do this. Only about 15% of properties today have virtual tours. Today, there's a a million people that offer some sort of virtual tour and only 15% of the people use it. I don't know why, but if you're not, you should. I agree. As a home buyer, the picture don't tell the whole story, you know? No, no. I want to know the floor plan. Exactly. So that, that whole area of the floor plan. And then, you know, many people have started to do sort of the live virtual tour or the pre-recorded, what looks like a live virtual tour, but it's actually not. Consumers have told us they absolutely love that stuff. Because I think about it, if I'm looking at 30 properties and I can look at 30 of them virtually sitting in my living room with my husband next to me with my glass of wine at night, that's a lot more fun than driving and driving and driving. And it's great for the, for the agent too. Yeah. So if we can live limited to three properties that you really want to see, as opposed to 30 that are kind of interesting to you, that's definitely here to stay. I think that's definitely going to work. And, you know, we're hearing people that are even probably not in as crazy a market as we are now, even during early COVID. More and more people were actually purchasing homes that way, which was interesting. I guess the other thing that I'm hoping is here to stay is that, and we did this thing on our other company called RE Technology. We did these um, half an hour sessions for like four months when COVID first started. We called them coffee chats. And the idea was, let's have different technology companies come on and help people understand how they can help. Because a lot of agents, when COVID hit, they were like, oh, what do I do? I, I've been more, you know, live in my... <laughs> You know, more analog and more live. So I hope that agents and that MLSs will really focus on trying to get people to fully leverage the tools that they offer and really get agents more comfortable with end brokers, all of us, right? Get them more comfortable with the technology that's out there because there's no less interest, if anything, a lot more interest from consumers, especially for the younger buyers to have that type of technology. So if an agent thought they could get away without any technology, hopefully they've recognized that's not true and they've embraced that and that you know MLSs are helping them do that too. Yeah, I completely agree on that. When the pandemic started, we pivoted to webinars and we're really trying to be specific. How can you use the MLS tax suite during a pandemic? You know, And it was perfectly placed because it's a virtual tool but just sharing with them all the ways that it can be used that they wouldn't have ever occurred to them most. 
I mean, a lot of people, you know, use as little as they could because they were just great people, people. They still are great people, people, but the technology has got to be there to support them more than it used to. So we also hear a lot of our guests saying the industry is not for the faint of heart, especially right now. For real estate professionals out there listening, can you share a few ideas or suggestions to help them continue to innovate and evolve? Yeah, I don't think it is for the faint of heart. I mean, you if you're not confident in your own abilities, especially your own sales abilities, you should never be a realtor. It just You just should never do it. It's a lot yeah. of work. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, and I think there were people that were here. It's like, well, I like looking at houses. Like, that's not a good reason to be a realtor. You know, for me, there's one thing that's, and has nothing to do with technology or any of that is, it's more of an attitude, right? If you're the type of person that gets up in the morning excited and encouraged and open-minded and willing to try new things and willing to talk to new people about new things, that's half the battle. Yeah. If you're, if you're okay with letting go of things that you've always done it that way, but you know in your heart it's not working for you anymore, but you're just afraid to let go of it, getting rid of the fear and just saying, what's the worst thing that can happen if I try this tool and not that tool? Yeah. What's the worst thing if I happen, if I talk to that association executive that I'd never talked to before? You know, there's a million examples of it. So to me, that's the first thing is you just got to get comfortable that change is happening. It's always going to happen. And not only comfortable, but excited about it is with new ideas come new opportunities too. I mean, think about some of the businesses that are exploding because of COVID real estate being a very good example of that. Right. Yeah. Who would have ever thought that our business would have gotten as strong as it's gotten? It's just crazy. So not that any of us want another COVID to come along to trust me, but kind of looking at the opportunity as opposed to the, the gain, the potential gain versus the loss. To me, that's the most important thing that you can do. Then from there, you can figure out what that means in your own business. But if you don't come to it with the right mindset and the right energy, nothing's going to change. And so it's like, why are we so afraid of each other? Why are we so afraid of change? Why are we so afraid of like, we have to hold on to stuff like this holding on is not helping us. We got to let go of some stuff, loosen the reins, invite some new ideas, invite new people into our lives and the rest will take care of itself. Be willing to embrace change. Definitely. Yeah. While we're wrapping up, is there anything else you'd like to share with us? No, I'm I'm super excited about what you guys are doing here with this podcast. And um, of course, you know, I love CRS. It's a great company. Um, I, I guess the final word would be, you know what? We're all good at what we do. Let's just try to get along better. Let's just try to understand. No, I, I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but let, we've had a very contentious couple of years in real estate and in our world. It's like, if we just stop, I'll try to go to our respective corners and kind of try to come back to the middle and find out what the other person really needs and treat each other like humans and not like enemies. I think the world's going to be a lot better place, real estate and the entire world. So that's, that would be my closing. Just, let's just not be so mean to each other. A little grace it goes a long way. I love that. Let's end on a happy note. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. You're a wealth of information and I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much. This was great. This has been Refreshingly Human. Please drop us a line at communications at crsdata.com. You can visit us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. If you liked today's episode, feel free to share it with a friend. We welcome guest recommendations. From all of us at CRS Data's MLS Tax Suite, thanks so much for listening.